I have come here to Krakowie, and I'm all out of bubble. Really licked his ass. Are you watching closely? showing i'm nash that's luke and this week the movie we watched at midnight was hayao miyazaki's princess mononoke was it worth it that's what we're here to tell you and don't worry we will notify you before we start spoiling so luke where are we with this one sets in ancient times i believe around the 14th century we click we quickly meet ashitaka the warrior prince of a long disgraced people Ashitaka is quickly thrown into action as a literal monster filled with rage and hatred comes down from the mountain on a murdering rampage. Ashitaka makes work of the beast, revealing the monster to be a giant boar, but not before getting stung by the beast's hatred. Leaving behind a curse mark, our prince will soon be dead, forced to leave his people in the hopes of finding a cure to cure his curse of rage almost lost it there got it back though ashitaka <laughs> then embarks on a journey that will change everything in hopes of extinguishing the rage and hatred that drove the giant boar to madness hopefully before his curse mark ends up taking his life i hope that made sense <laughs> no i think that i think that made perfect sense um and as far as the trailer goes for this one for the studio ghibli movies we've watched whew, wow it's been the best trailer I've seen so far. And it was for the Blu-ray set. <laughs> so, you know, really, really impressed me with that one. Although this time I did watch it on YouTube. If you Google it, it was the first one that came up. So if you're looking to see which one I watched, so you don't see a crappy one. Um, It's really good because it showed you everything cool that happened, but it did it really fast. Like it had a bunch of quick flashes of like, I think almost every single action scene in the movie. Um, but because it was so fast and there's like no context to who anyone is or anything, it I think it worked pretty well. And the voiceover in the beginning and more towards the end is really good just because it is super general and just pretty much reinstates the theme of man versus nature. So all in all, a great trailer so far. We finally got a good one out of this batch. Hey, yeah, we're batting like a. Point three 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 or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> baseball. Wait, is there hey, a yeah. baseball thing? Oh yeah, I guess I did say batting. I was more just percentages. I don't know if you knew this. I'm not that great at math, dude. You know. <laughs> Neither am I. I think we both took one math class in college. What was it called? Like math excursions. <laughs> math excursions, baby. Akbek, Professor Akbek. What a what a legend. Um. <laughs> anyway, Nash, do you have any notes on the studio of Ghibli producing uh, Princess Mononoke? I really don't, and I probably could. I I probably should have done more because I just got the studio Ghibli because we're just doing this whole month on them. Um, do you? <laughs> uh, no, this one is just right. really good again. <laughs> yeah, well, we really fell flat on our face for this one, which is kind of a shame for the quality. Ah, uh, well, I mean, I've it's it's directed by Hayao Miyazaki. I'm assuming 
And uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming. <laughs> anyway, you know what I did do is write down who what? was in this movie, Nash. <laughs> Let's hear it, man. <laughs> we got Billy Crudup as Ashitaka, Claire Danes as San, Princess Mononoke, Minnie Driver as Lady Iboshi, Billy Bob Thornton playing Jigo, that's right, the bad Santa himself, John DiMaggio playing Gonza, Jada Pinkett Smith playing Toki, Keith David playing Okoto and the narrator, and the legendary Tara Strong playing Kaya. So, no Mark Hamill in this one, sadly. Hate to, hate to, hate to see that. But other than that, you know, we got a couple people you may know. Yeah, and I, I honestly have to say, I think for this one, um, the combination of all the actors they used for this one i think probably works best for all the ones we've seen so far interesting i have I some think, thoughts on that i would love to discuss i don't like i i don't think any of them are bad but i just feel like this one the combination of people they used for the specific roles they're playing i think worked really well but before we get into that discussion pookie we have to do the teme or the theme as some laymen call it um and this one it's a classic ghibli uh mankind's expansion versus nature slash like the natural order it's man versus nature um was also a bit of a bit of redemption in there a little bit, bit, of, bit of redemption a little bit tiny bit a little bit of a little bit of Red Dead Redemption in there. Hey, hey. Uh, so, uh, Luke, are you giving this one a thumbs up or a thumbs down? Come on, dude. Thumbs up. <laughs> it's a thumbs up. Man, I guess with this new framing, I can really put my thumb like almost anywhere. You can, can yeah. I'm very excited for the new hey. You know, dude, I'll say it before we actually get into, into the discussion. Princess Mononoke is kind of beating out Nausicaa for me a little bit. So hopefully that excites a, a, few, a few people. Yeah, now this. Spoiler alert! I just, I have to say, I think of all the things we do on this show, I think the timing for when I just randomly say the spoiler card thing. Is your one of your favorites? That's probably my favorite thing to do. You're all, it's you're like also... hands down. Because typically you say something and I'm just like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> you're also really good at like completely coming out of your laughter to and now this, which makes me feel like you're just fake laughing at everything, Nash. You're putting everything into jeopardy, dude. <laughs> All right, man. Who knows? Um, so the title, as always, you know the rules. Um it's a it's it's weird it's weird for this one, I think. I love it though, and I was thinking the same exact thing, you know. I think Princess Mononoke is not only a really badass name, but like it it's a very mysterious name because, you know, Princess plus Mononoke, like two really interesting words, and like she's not a princess like like a damsel in distress at yeah. all or anything like that. And if you compare it quickly to Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind very literal once you watch the movie. Uh, Laputa, Castle in the Sky. They go to the castle in the sky. Princess Mononoke is definitely about a lot more than just her. In fact, you could even make right. the argument that she's not the protagonist. She is a supporting character. I, you know, I think you could make that argument. No, I, th I think you could too. Like, it's really interesting that they chose her. Like, I feel like if you were doing it compared to the other movies we'd seen before this, like tree spirit would have been a more accurate <laughs> like title monkey but bird one, deer <laughs> yeah 
the wolf, the monkeys and the boar. <laughs> like those titles like kind of fit more with that than the one they have here. But I really like the one here because it's kind of like. You're watching the movie and you don't really discover Princess Mononoke pretty well into it. You know, yeah, exactly. And I mean, I think she's really just the culmination of all the themes that are in this movie, right? You know, because everyone's mm. always telling her that she's a human, she's not an animal. You know, you have your morals and your um kind of sense of value in in the wrong thing in this world. When that's really what it comes down to. Like, I feel like the entire conflict of the movie is kind of held within her character. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a good point. So would you would you call this one a good title? I think it's probably I think it's one of the better. I think it's a very good title. I I do think because it it it's it's an enticing title because right off the bat you know that the guy we're following Ashitaka isn't Princess Mononoke. Yeah, you know? so it's no. like it's like it wants you. To sort of know about Princess Monarchy more, because we sort of discover her in snippets, whereas like in A Castle in the Sky, right? Mm -hmm. It's sort of like, oh, legend says there's a castle in the sky. So then we're like, oh, okay, so it's a castle in the sky. Okay, <laughs> yeah. that's that kind of sums that sums it up pretty neatly right there. Yeah. But this one, it's kind of like she's a wolf girl. Her parents abandoned her. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. It's <laughs> like you and sort of understanding her character is a lot of part of the story. Absolutely, man. So, you know, like other similar Studio Ghibli films, first 20 minutes of this movie, and I'm instantly hooked and having a phenomenal time. <laughs> so let's start off with our boy, Prince a Ashitaka, because he's really the first person we meet in the movie. And, you know, we'll elaborate on this later, but, you know, he might now be one of the most badass, badass characters, badass protagonists I've ever seen in any movie ever, period. Just going to throw that out there real quick. But starting with the first 20 minutes, you know, we're given a sense of unrest. You know, the people come out of the uh, woods to talk to Ashitaka. They're like, the animals are gone. The birds are gone. Something is wrong, right? And then all of a sudden, there's this monster with these worms, and it's crawling like a spider towards everything extremely quickly. And we have no idea what's going on other than, like, a narration from the uh, person, like, five minutes before any of this happens. Then we see Ashitaka ride around on his horse a couple times, hit that thing in the eye. This boy can handle himself, you know? He's a warrior prince, not 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 some, uh, some uh, I want to say... Yeah, like, um... Joffrey from Game of Thrones, I guess. I wanted to say Aladdin, but I feel like Aladdin's kind of I don't know. <laughs> dumb reference. You got what I was saying. You like I like Ashitaka. Right? So and then Bob <laughs> Sorry. All right, so I love, uh, it's my favorite Disney movie, right? <laughs> so giant monster dead, two eyes, two arrows to the eyes. And what does this thing say while it's down, Nash, to this old woman? Disgusting. Oh little God. creatures soon all of you will feel my hate and suffer as i have suffered seven minutes into the movie are you kidding me next scene right after that what do we find out our boy ashitaka the man who just took down this boar with two arrows to the eyes is cursed his life is going to end there's nothing he can do about it dude i Okay, talk about stakes being raised in the first 15 minutes of the movie, and then after that, he leaves his village, and he's shooting arrows, and people's arms are literally falling off, and people are getting decapitated, so. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it, utterly insane. And entrance into the world of Princess Mononoke. <laughs> like, okay, our thing with Nausicaa was the beginning was really filled with wonder and questioning and like, what's going on? What are all these things? Who's this pretty um, genuine character we're going to be following? Princess Mononoke does not give you that feeling at all in the beginning of it it makes you know that like you're in for a pretty hardcore ride on this one especially when you watch nausicaa and castle in the sky beforehand dude so what are your thoughts on how this movie establishes itself differently than the other studio ghibli movies we've watched i i think that's a very good point to bring up just because um when we watch spirit oh spirited away next i know it's going to be a bit different so stay tuned for that one folks but um nausicaa is a good one just because god it's so good how early it came out it really kind of sets the stage for everything but it's kind of a combination how you get two of the studio ghibli types of like entrances you get the super fast paced everything's going on right now type entrance and then you sort of get this slow ball rolling type entrance and nausicaa you sort of get the slow one in the beginning and then, like, before we hit the 10-minute mark, that ohm is chasing... Uh, Yuma. Yuma, right? So that's... It's a bit of a combination of both. It's kind of hard to place it in either. Here we get... It's the fast-paced, this-is-the-world-we're-in entrance. And they do both of them so well. We'll see it in spirited away mm-hmm. well a bit of a bit of, bit of a spoiler there folks sorry <laughs> but <laughs> but i really like how this one goes because it sets the stage that our protagonist is already capable yes extremely yeah so we don't have that doubt of like is this demon more beneficial more harmful like it definitely serves a benefit to him but it clearly has its drawbacks and we know he's already skilled so yeah. I think that like it, it, to do that very quickly in seven minutes is really impressive. It also this movie, like when they're talking in the hut after it gets cursed, um, sort of like the village elders there. It it sort of sets the world up to, I think, a bit of a more familiar one. Familiar to what? Um, sort of like actual history. We'll see a bit more of that in Spirited Way. It seems a bit more down to earth, sort of where we could recognize stuff, but it seems kind of like it's very heavily based off of like Japanese history, um, like sort of end of the warring states period. The samurai are kind of no more. They're all kind of they're kind of dying out. Like we've got this banished clan that practices like ancient methods, you know, they're using stone arrowheads. The samurai are sort of in this movie and they're getting their asses handed to them Mm -hmm. by the people with guns. So I think like that's kind of a pretty specific cultural point, I think, just because that, you know, doesn't happen. I don't think that happened in a ton of places everywhere. Um, It was very well recorded and documented in Japan, Japanese culture, and it's very interesting, very cool stories. Uh, come from that and this is just sort of one of them 
So how do you feel about the incorporation of like like gods? Like you know that episode of Rick and Morty where it's like uh, Morty's brain busters and he runs into the guy who's like, I need you to kill me so that I can get to the good heaven. And then Morty's like, that's so great that you guys have proof that there's gods and stuff. And then um, he's like, wait, you need proof? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I, I kind of yeah. I, I thought about that while we were uh, watching this because I thought it was really interesting that like gods are so established like it's a known thing that if you go out into the woods in the middle of the night there's a good chance you'll see the uh the the great spirit you know um i thought it was a really interesting choice that not only are we in this very historical place um that you can kind of like pick up on if you're educated in that history but on top of that they're adding a lot of really cool elements like wolf gods and boar gods and it's not like zeus or stuff like that it's more of just like kind of the idea and spirit around it yeah, I think that's another very cool point because to me, it's like you pick up like, okay, normally nobody really is like messing with these gods, you know, and like all the years previously before this movie happened, it's kind of you get that there is just sort of a natural order to things and they didn't intermix too much. But now because the whole the whole Iron Town ordeal, they're all just out in the open people are sort of confronting them way more than they used to because of this technology guns pew pew and i just love that distinction just because i feel like the forest spirit <coughs> is sort of like the embodiment because even compared to all the other gods that one is sort of the most mystical yeah, I think even like, I, I i think the wolf even says it's omnipotent like it doesn't choose who it saves it's just like you know, I'm pretty sure she, uh, yeah. she said that. It just kind of does things. It's kind of like it's got that Dr. Manhattan side to that it. That Dr. Manhattan just, side. <laughs> it can see it's all the time. <laughs> it doesn't really care. It's just kind of there. You know, yeah. what are y'all up to? <laughs> yeah. So how how about we start off the bulk of Mononoke with the a woman who shot the Great Spirit, Lady Yoboshi, because I feel like she is a pretty integral character, not only to Princess Mononoke, but I feel like kind of the Studio Ghibli stuff that I I've seen so far in general, right? Because, um, again, very similar to the orange-haired Telmechian princess from Nausicaa, Lady Yoboshi um, feels very complex in that the ways that, like, she takes care of the people around her, but her, her ends may not justify her me means, or she may have, like, she may be misguided in her methods, like, not allowing the uh, apes to just plant more trees, you know, like, I feel like the real conflict of it stems from the Iron Town and her character specifically. And, you know, very similar to a point we made last week with uh, Laputa about how violence and stuff like that, it might never be justified, but it's not always what you can, like, have to do. Um, You know what I mean? Like, I feel like mm -hmm. the characters of princess mononoke really kind of split down the middle in a lot of ways and by the end of it she doesn't even get her kermumpets she just lost her arm she's still alive yeah i think this movie almost every character we meet minus like the gods and the demons and that's about it but like every character we meet is caught in the middle somewhere there are there is no black and white characters in this one they're all sort of they come with good. They come with bad. Lady Yoshi's a great example because, you know, look at Irontown, how it got started. Right. It's 
main foundation is with sort of lepers and former prostitutes. Like that is a crazy dynamic because you've on top of that got a woman leading them. And then women in this in that city seem to be that they have sort of more freedom than other women would have. Like they have more they have a higher rank in society. Especially for that time period, if you're going to whoop, hit my camera. Oh, that's oh, I'm sorry, Luke. I messed up the shot for you. But, <laughs> <laughs> like they, they've got a different sort of ranking in society than historically they would have. If you're going to try to place it, and like even their dialogue sort of emphasizes that, where everybody seems a bit more on equal footing with each other. So it's like. She is killing gods. She is destroying the forest, but also she's giving a lot of downtrodden people a kind of a better life, kind of giving them value, giving them purpose when they would have none in normal society and not so much putting them above the men, but putting everyone on equal terms. Yeah, exactly. So it's hard to watch and like, um, it, it's it's hard to watch and say that she is just the bad guy. Like I feel like in Nausicaa, the Telmechians are just straight up misguided in their intentions. They don't really like show too much sympathy in the way they act, and they even imply that they might be like a, a little messed up in the head about like really what their intentions are. Well, Lady Yaboshi, we watch her literally kill the like greatest spirit in all of the land that can literally like. Like, when it explodes at the end, it creates so much life around it, and, like, you watch her kill it, and it gets you so angry and frustrated, but then you remember all of the women women who work four-day shifts in that really tough job and are able to defend um, the, like, solitude and all that stuff. Yeah. The city off, like, they fight the samurai while she's off killing a god. They're working in, like, the bellows and the hot, like, iron refinery, like it's utterly crazy because it's it's a bit conflicting like you don't know how to place people negatively or positively yeah. and because you brought up because you brought up the killing of the god i think that was as a kid that was something i held on to a lot was that scene because she says something she says like uh she might say like silly man or something. It's a God. It's going to take more than one shot to kill it. Yeah. That was so like, gnarly when it shot through its head and it was like, Oh, <laughs> it just kept going. <laughs> yeah. But that, that scene in there, like as a kid, I really held on to that. Cause it's kind of like, that's a very interesting detail to put into it because you've got this, thing this weapon that seems to be you know sort of way more powerful way better than everything else that it has to stand up against it seems to be the ultimate solution but now it's here's like like no 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 like realistically this thing like like you know what we're messing with like violence has measures here and going back on looking at it being much older it's sort of you see that way more often throughout the whole movie because our main character ashitaka Compared to every other um, Ghibli protagonist that we see, his use of violence is by far the most direct. Oh, yeah, for sure. At least so far. Yeah, 100%. Like, he's cutting people's heads off with arrows. He's shooting his arms off. He starts the movie <laughs> by by killing 
something. And so I giggled him, because of how fucking goofy it was when it just <laughs> the guy has his hands up and he shoots an arrow and they just fly off. Like. They just rip. He doesn't even like slice them off. He rips them off with the force of his. It's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's some of the most wild action you've ever seen. But that violence in this one, because peace at the end of the day, right? That's, you know, the solution. That's what gets everybody home safe is peace. Yeah. But violence in this one is like a necessary tool. And we sort of see the burden of violence through him. Yeah. And through the gods, because he doesn't really want to be that violent when he tries to stab Lady Yoshi in front of the lepers, or his demon arm does. Like, that is really cool and powerful yeah. and so good it's that's such a good story element yeah well i thought i thought another really kind of smallish detail was when the boars show up and they start fighting with the wolves it shows that even like the animal side of this isn't all a bunch of pacifists who are just like hanging out um in in the wild and like sad because the forest is going down like there was anger on that side too and fighting and like drama and all that stuff so it even makes the situation a little bit more multi-leveled where you can see that even animals kill each other and these wolf gods like like I even I, I wrote down in my notes that like animal gods are not your friends because they're always yeah. like Ashitaka if I, I'm cool with you right now if I see you again I'm going to bite your head off <laughs> or like you know <laughs> I like will murder you <laughs> yeah so I, I also felt like the the conflict was like really layered and like you really had to consider a lot of perspectives and the the boars are a prideful race they will charge at you they don't even care if they're the last one on the battlefield and there's no chance you know like a lot of care is taken throughout these different perspectives and ashitaka finds himself in the middle but princess mononoke finds herself even more in the middle being raised by wolves and having no issue chewing up food and spitting it into his mouth and and things like that dude and oh my god some action when she just attacks with that mask on and his sword fighting everybody like you do not want those hands you do not want the mononoke smoke bro the mononoke smoke is no go bro <laughs> no it really is and there is such like there's diversity between that even all the gods that we see how they all react to the problems differently you know we first get introduced to the wolves and there we see them like it doesn't outright say it but they're essentially using gorilla irony they're using gorilla tactics a uh, gorilla warfare tactics on lady yoshi by you know attacking the supply line as it's coming into town yeah we see we see the actual gorillas um planting trees just trying to sort of recreate their home even though they're unsuccessful and we see the boars doing what they do best i guess and just going to tear everybody up yeah like it's sort of it's like the those um characteristics aren't i don't think necessarily anticipated at least from like a western philosophy sense that we attribute with those animals it may be more in sort of like japanese lore culture that might be more uh, predictable but like for me that's kind of like seeing the monkeys like plant trees it seems kind of like silly it makes sense it makes total sense and like seeing the wolves not being the foremost aggressors where the boars are you know yeah. they're not running away whereas i feel like they're often more skittish like that's that's pretty interesting to me how all these gods and their races have 
different characteristics like that that are so well shown. Do you put any significance on it being a boar? Because I found it interesting that the only animals that ever got consumed by the hate and rage were the boars. You know, like if I'm remembering correctly, there's really only the one in the beginning and the one at the end. And it's not like a wolf ever got taken over in that form or anything. Do you put any significance on it being boars? I just thought it was an interesting animal to choose. It it really is an interesting animal to choose. like Because specific to the story... It has more to do with the fact that she shot like um, the one of the boar gods that was around the area of Irontown, right? Yeah. That Ashitaka, you know, that was the demon he killed. Yeah. So like it's relevance there. But they're like. The most aggressive, the most warlike. Out of all of them, and there's something really interesting that still it makes me think about them like to this day, I haven't been able to pinpoint it down is like how the animation for the gorilla or the monkeys. It's hard to say whether they're gorilla or monkeys because of the animation is like why it's so different. Why they're like ghosts almost. Yeah. Ghost like monkeys. I always I yeah, I always wondered about that because uh, the, the the best thing I have, the best guess is like, you know people you know evolutionary you know chain of evolution came from some type of descendants of that and so now in this world because there's such a clear divide between man and nature like the monkeys have lost all similarity oh and they look totally different nashy boy i like that one i like that <laughs> right I, th- I use my yeah, brain and- but like that that's the closest thing i have but it's still really interesting I would connect them to the tree spirits too, right? Like the the little dudes mm-hmm. with, with the turning heads. I feel like there's oh, the some, Kodama. Yeah, the Kodama. <laughs> I, I feel like there's some connection between them too, and um, between them and like the apes and stuff. Um, and you know, what I also think is a really great uh, thing about this movie is that I also I found Lady Yaboshi as a character and what's going on in Iretown almost as it almost equally as interesting as the stuff going on in the nature you know with castle in the sky we talked about we thought we lingered a little bit too much on the uh, industrial revolution stuff we wanted more of the actual thing i felt like mononoke did a really great job combining the two having um princess mononoke herself kind of be that division and sometimes we're over here with lady yaboshi and although she's definitely the antagonist you know i don't disagree with her all the time and you know it does feel like she's just put in a situation where like she was doing what she thought was right which is definitely better than like uh musco was kind of just like an an, an evil prick you know yeah yeah No, because it's sort of her story, you know, it's like she conquered sort of like man, right? She conquered, well, not, I was about to say not literally, but no, kind of literally. Yeah. Like man, the elements of man, you know, rose to a high point in society through her own actions, through nobody else's doings. And sort of that springboarded her forward into attacking something greater than man like nature as a whole 
crazy. Like, wow, yeah. you can teach kids that with with movies. Well, is it a kids movie? I don't know. It's, it's definitely not. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, you loved it as a kid, dude. Can you tell me, like, kind of why, as a kid, this one always stuck with you, and how you know, like, I, it's, it's, I always love when people are like, yeah, this scene that I saw it was a kid, like, just stuck in my head because I have a ton of those scenes too. Why did Mononoke stick out to you as a child? Because it kind of is really violent and has a lot of gnarly concepts going on <laughs> i i think honestly what it was the way it put violence on the screen because i mean i, I didn't think too deeply about it as a kid but uh it's so it was so cool to see somebody that was skilled that did sort of have this authority and this power to really wreck everything but he didn't. He like chose to do the right thing, you know, like that's kind of what you try to look for in like a kid's movie. Like that's kind of the point of all of them. But this one, not a kid's movie, is sort of still doing that, even though like violence is sort of necessary at times. Dude, when I think about it, he really was just a total savage and like no one could tell him anything. He knew what he was doing was right. Like even with Princess Mononoke, when he keeps telling her, no you're a human. I'm sorry. That's just like what it is. You know, like I, I feel like he really like wasn't going to be told by anybody that he was wrong. He felt like such, he almost felt omnipotent, you know, dude, like he's, he has this curse mark. Our boy's just out here trying to live. He looks like Sasuke Uchiha in these streets, dude. And like, <laughs> <laughs> like, bro, let's, let's be honest here, Nash top five, <laughs> big dick moments in all of filmmaking has gotta be when Lady Yaboshi tells this kid, I'm gonna cut her right now, and he punch punches her in the gut in front of her entire town of people, picks up Princess Mononoke, gets shot in the chest, walks out of there, and then pushes up the gate with one hand, not two hands, one hand. Like, one hand and says thank you. Yeah, it says thank you. The man turns around and says thank you like you know we all love pop culture that's why we're we're all doing this podcast right now those are the moments that i aspire to to live myself man <laughs> like that is Hell the yeah. pinnacle that's the pinnacle of badassery on the screen that's only halfway through the movie the big battle didn't even start yet bro like he was such an interesting awesome protagonist and low-key not even exaggerating probably one of my favorites of all time now and i just watched this movie for the first time three days ago like dead ass yeah, like, this guy was right? just insane insanely badass never gave up curse mark all the way baby it's hard it's hard i i don't know if i've seen something that's so badass where a character gets shot and then says thank you oh my god oh my god unfazed bro unfazed and those guns were cannons let's be honest here they had to put it above their shoulder to shoot that bro i don't want to know what kind of recoil they were dealing with man that's that's hard to beat so and that's oh, no, and like you, you know but that's the thing like as a kid you know that he could have killed you know like all of them with his hand right yeah like, yeah yeah and to see him handle that, like, no, I'm just going to leave. I'm just going to help. Yeah, I'm just going to be helpful this time. I'm not going to just use all my power that I can. Well, you know, talk speaking about that power, I do think that it was a little ambiguous um, in a way. 
ding on the ambiguous. Um, anyway, uh, you know, like when, when, when like the purple snakes come out, that was really the only time that kind of happened. Right. And, you know, I feel like the curse mark, even when he gets um, healed by the end of it, like it's a little up in the air. And so I enjoy that. It makes the world feel very mystical in a way, but I could also um, support an argument that says they're not putting too much care into it. And when he gets shoved out into the world from his people, it can kind of be like, what do you mean they're just like exiling their prince because they have to, you know, you got any thoughts on that? Yeah, that that was something else that stuck with me is like his immediate exile. Um, I feel like it's sort of came from they don't really know how to fix it there's no cure and they just don't want to deal with a demon version of him when it finally yeah. comes around Facts. so it's like you, you gotta get out son because we uh, you're, you can you can already cut people's arms off um indirectly so we're, <laughs> we're not gonna be involved in all that what what, but, what what do they say to the the gods are laughing at us i love that line bro yeah such oh an yeah amazing line you got you got the demons cursing you. You got the gods laughing at you. Like it can't get any worse in this town. No wonder he left. <laughs> but I I think probably the best way to sort of understand the demonic thing is what I believe it was the wolf god said. I think to the boar god with how he let the sort of evil he let it sort of take hold of him. He didn't try to fight it. And so it, it just consumed him entirely. And I think that's where we get um, like those purple eel snake things with Ashitaka. Yeah. I, I think because that's him feeding into it. That's, uh, that's okay. Okay. That makes that make total sense. Yeah, right. That's him sort of giving into that power, even if it is just to show the people so they don't mess with him. Like that's still, it consumes you quicker than that. It consumes you quicker when you just give into it. For sure, I think. I think I've I have no I have no other sources to cite on that one. Mm. Well, now that I'm thinking about it too, I also think it's really interesting that the the demon. Uh, what is what does the woman say? She says, "Nameless God of Rage and Hatred." That's a tough. That's a tough God. The God of Rage and Hatred. Um, I just <laughs> I, I I find it interesting that it wasn't necessarily the God of Rage and Rage and Hatred, but this God that got taken over by that evilness. You know, it's all it's the point. I'm try, I guess I'm trying to make is that there wasn't like a distinct these are the devils. These are the demons that we can point at and be like, these are the bad spirits. They're going to fight the good spirits. Instead, it was like, we just have these animal spirits against a man. And so I, you know, I almost feel like that first thing can kind of um, divert your expectations for where the plot's going to go. Cause you think that he might be fighting a bunch of worm monsters or like the end of this movie could be an army of the worm monsters coming to attack the iron village or something like that. But that's really not what it came down to. It really Really came down to man kind of just messing with with the wrong the wrong spirits bro just let the monkeys plant the trees okay it's not it's not that complicated yaboshi <laughs> yeah um i will probably say the most consistent message we get throughout this whole movie is how kind of like if you try to line up the powers of man and like the powers of nature nature is always going to be better yeah like in in the long run, even with um, what's the monk's name? Billy Bob Thornton's guy. 
Yeah. Um, make your point, and then I do kind of want to talk about the uh, voice acting in this one a little bit. All right. Um, I, I feel like because him, you know, the whole thing is, you know, he's got the pardon from the emperor. Like that's supposed to mean something when, you know, you take the head and it becomes the giant death god. Like, oh, you've got you've got the pardon. Um, I don't think that thing can read or care. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think it's going to be good for negotiating, <laughs> signing the peace treaty? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um yeah man well you know um before we talk about the voice acting you know just to elaborate off that point quickly dude like it's like man is always the in- in- inherent problem you know it's it's always like of course they they pushed out all the uh animals from the mountain because they had to get the ore underneath it you know and i feel like it's it's often framed that we are the inherent problem of uh, much like nausicaa you know, Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind is really just trying to tell us that, like, humans just stop tinkering. It's not your place. You know, I also I feel like it's similar in this one where, like, although the animals have that distinction in ranks that we kind of talked about earlier, it always feels like the humans are the ones who are inherently causing the issue. You know, I feel like that's really yeah. the point of it more than. I, I- yeah, you you go. I was going to say, they always give you an example of how you can be a person and not metal like that. Like, like Ashitaka's village in the beginning was just a side effect. Like, they weren't doing anything. Yeah, no, they just they're, showed up, yeah. They are just chilling, you know, you know, living their red elk lives or whatever. <laughs> they weren't causing mayhem with the gods. <laughs> yeah, the literal gods. The literal giant boar of rage and hatred. Um, anyway, dude, so you made that comment about you loving the cast for this movie. Something about this one that didn't happen to me with Nausicaa and Castle in the Sky. Again, we watched the dub, so I'm sorry. This is probably even a dumb thing because the answer is just watch the sub. But this was the one that I felt like I didn't connect with the voice actors as much for this one. I thought there were times where the face of the character on the screen did not match the tone that a voice actor was speaking in. And just, I thought Billy, the fact that Billy Bob's Thornton character was that guy, I just couldn't stop imagining Billy Bob Thornton saying these lines in the studio, just like really, hey, uh, really well, straight faced reading a script, you know, I, I will say it's better as a kid when you didn't know who that was. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 I don't know. Yeah. Dude, this, I just felt there was a strange disconnect between the animation and the voice acting for this one that I didn't really get when watching the other ones. And I think there's always going to be an awkwardness with the gods, because I will say, I feel like their mouths move a lot. I feel like they don't like this sounds is going to be the dumbest point I've ever said, but I feel like their mouths move too much when they talk. Like, I feel like you didn't even need to have them move or move a lot less you know what i mean like it's just it's weird seeing their jaws slowly close and open and yet they're talking at different paces like that's gonna look weird no matter what yeah Um, they they either should have committed to having them not talk at all or have it be like a lot more consistent where it's not like always trying to catch up to their mouths but more like they open their mouth and a bunch of words come out then they do it i did like how like they put the low bass tone underneath it though like when they had um yeah 
I forget who specifically voiced the uh, White Wolf, but I, I, I really liked all, all of her lines sounded wicked badass, too, dude. I love when she was like, you think like a human, you know, like, I, and it's yeah. like growling underneath it. I thought all that stuff like sounded really great. And I'm not even trying to say that like, like, um, well, dude, the sound production is really great again, but just for some reason, the characters with this one didn't line up for the voices with me, and it was the first time that I kind of had that moment, and I only bring it up because I think that is really jarring for when you're watching the movie in general. I still enjoyed I enjoyed the shit out of it. It was a phenomenal experience, but this one, I don't know, it's just weird having tiny Billy Bob Thornton ogre boy, like, give orders. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that the the people they got to do the voice acting for the gods was perfect i'll agree with keith, that yeah keith keith david was uh, his voice is perfect for being like the god of the boars it was it's just powerful um and he he can sound kind of like he sounds what he sounds like a very wise man you know what i mean yeah no and I agree. the wolf was really good um and yeah, uh, Dr. Manhattan voices Ashitaka. That's about <laughs> which is savage. Yeah, man. And you know, yeah, I'm um, I, I, I almost wish I didn't bring that up because I think it's such a good movie that it really doesn't matter. But there was just something weird about it for me on this one, dude. But I, I don't know. It's just <laughs> so unique. Such such a unique movie. I'm so glad that we did this studio ghibli like a massacre dude do you got you got anything else you really want to add because this was one of your favorite movies when you were a kid so i feel like you got a ton of ideas of just what you like about it it really was and i will say this time around watching it because i've probably seen this movie just a lot i've seen it a lot all right i haven't really watched it in a while and seeing it this time i noticed way more about the animation than i ever had before the detail to it, especially in the ending scene, like I know I brought this up to you when we were watching it, how like they actually paid to have the really expensive animation where it looks like the stuff that shouldn't move is moving. Oh, like yeah, that, yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, that's really crazy. And something I did notice was when Ashitaka is first in Irontown, he's like at the restaurant or hotel or whatever with all the guys. And one of the people's like makes a side comment to this old guy says, you've got rice on your chin, old man. And then they keep talking. If you look in like the bottom left corner of the screen, you can see the old man wipe his chin. Really? I was like, what? <laughs> I, I was just, I was so crisp. Cause nobody's no. Cause you don't even know like where the voice came from. You know, it's a big group of people talking around a fire. And then all eating, and then you you see this one guy move his hand over his chin, like that was just that was crazy. Top crazy notch. It's, just, it's a it's a top notch studio. Top notch studio for real. I like I I can't speak well enough about this movie i think it's such a it's so much fun it's crazy and you know even though we talked about that violence in the beginning with people's limbs getting ripped off i feel like it's relatively tame that was an oxymoron right there yeah. but like even though it happens it's not happening every scene and when it happens there's definitely significance put upon it you know yeah yeah so uh let me sum these Let's uh, sum up Princess Mononoke because 
it probably is one of the greatest stories ever told. Not only is the material incredible, but the actual detail in the animation is something I don't think I've ever seen matched. This movie also breaks from its uh, gruesomeness, because while, like Luke said, you can't really call it incredibly graphic, it is incredibly more detailed and violent than all the other Ghibli works. Maybe, I think, to see the actual depth and pain that violence in this world can cause, it's simply put, not a kid's movie, but I find it odd for that reason, too, because I'm so curious how many people like me had seen the movie when they were young because it came from Ghibli. I think the contrast taught more pain and turmoil from violence than it did to praise it. It wasn't a draw to watch the movie. It was something cool in it, but it doesn't sort of make you want to be part of those violent acts. It raises the stakes. It gives a measure and a struggle for necessary means of violence to accomplish a task. And and a few times throughout the movie, when you see this, they never really end. They only continue to spread more violence throughout. To me, this movie feels like what Hayao Miyazaki sort of wanted to create his entire life, like a masterpiece that was a culmination from all his other works leading up to this one. The more direct cultural references, the forward use of violence, and the detail come together in perfect harmony. Yes. <laughs> yes. And you know, dude, just to uh, elaborate off our Nausicaa video game thing quickly, tell me that the Princess Mononoke video game would not be amazing. You get raised right, when, by the wolves, you have to go around 14th century <laughs> Japan doing like Batman stealth missions on like giant uh, castles with samurai and all that stuff, dude. And you have to get all the the spirit gods to make you the uh, ultimate Mononoke. <laughs> <laughs> okay you right. found iron the gods have cursed you <laughs> yeah, that, would, that, would, that would be really cool too and you know it would be a very even cooler dynamic if it added what the more like uh the more you build up your settlement the more aggressive everything gets just because you're building up a human settlement yeah, well, dude, you could even have you could have both sides of the coin where you're playing as two main characters, possibly someone like Ashitaka who is in a town and is just doing things for his people because his mother is sick and he needs to get her food, and you know his his he he's he's just trying to support support the village, man. And the only way to do that is to take down the nature, man. But then you also got to play as Princess Mononoke, and you hate him, you hate him so much, but you know he has the intentions oh correctly for his family. Uh, uh, yo, someone's going to steal that idea, but you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're welcome. Pay us royalties, please. Yo, Thank for you. real, though, we th that was a huge joke. But, like, honestly, I feel like that's a great way to encapsulate the dynamics of this movie because you have the people over here. You got the the wolves over here, and there's so much gray area in the middle. And this movie, again, just like Nausicaa, like Castle in the Sky, it's, it's, it's worthy of your time, man. It's worthy of your time. It definitely is. And, uh, well, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. You can message us at Midnight Showing Podcast on Instagram or email Midnight Showing with Luke and Nash at gmail.com to stay in the loop for upcoming episodes and offer suggestions for the movies we watch and future content we can bring to you. Uh, be sure to check us out at ambiguouspodcastsolutions.com. Um, our midnight release for next week features Spirited Away. And 
for those of you who are watching, we thank you. This will be the last movie we do for the Ghibli set. Um, we might revisit more if people suggest them or want to see them, but they'll probably be specials. Um, they probably won't be main ep episodes. They might be. I don't know. Depends uh, on how bad people want to see. We probably won't do like four in a row like this again, but yeah. we, we, we would probably do like a random Studio Ghibli, maybe for episode 78. All right, there you go. 78 is going to be a Studio Ghibli. <laughs> and it's in, the, it's in the calendar, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. But uh, sadly, the popcorn for next week is not included. Yeah.